Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
Welcome to a Celtic State of Minds. I'm Paul John Dykes, and this morning I'm delighted to be joined by Tony Haggerty and Declan McConville, where we will be talking about the departure of Neil Lennon. I'm going to come to yourself first of all, Tony. How are you this morning, having heard that news? I'm good, but we spoke off here there just a couple of minutes ago, and it's a, it's, it's a bit of a sweet one, really. You know, it's uh, yeah. I think the majority of the Celtic supporters have got what they wanted with the removal of Neil Lennon from office. But it's also tinged with the fact that this is an out-and-out Celtic man. And whilst we advocated on this programme that we thought he wasn't the man fit for the job, there is a man lost his job and you have to feel for that. And he is, as I say, an out-and-out Celtic man. There's nobody more disappointed with the way this season has gone than Neil Lennon. Trust me, I know that. I've been fortunate enough to build a personal relationship with him, so he'll be hurting more than MD that it's turned out the way it has. But I think for the good of the club and for the start of the rebuild, and it had to happen because at various times we've shone a light on the deficiencies at the club from top to bottom this season, of which he was a part. And I think we've done it respectfully. We've never been disrespectful to him because we've always lauded his achievements and we've always stated that, and I think that we have to put that on record. And uh, we've always called out the kind of memes and stuff and people that have been disrespectful towards him, because he does, and he, he is, and he always will be a club legend. People can disagree with that, but he's won the treble as a player, he's won the treble as a manager, the only Celtic man to do so. And he's won, he helped win a treble treble and a quadruple treble. So I think you have to take your hat off to that. And whilst... There might be a lot of happiness amongst a lot of Celtic households at the fact that he's gone. Then I think you have to turn around and say, yeah, he did a great job. But the, the, in the season that mattered most to us all, we just all felt let down and hurt and angry. And I think that's why a lot of people have lashed out and been disrespectful and, and where a lot of the vitriols come from. Time's a great healer. And I, I read a tweet last night saying he, he'll, he'll never be welcome back in Celtic Park. That's utter nonsense. It is nonsense, Tony. I'd like to think that any time he comes back in, he'll get a magnificent reception because he deserves it. He does deserve it. And I go back to it. We've only called it out this season because we've been we've been hurt ourselves for the way it's turned out. And he was the manager. And at times we just thought he's not the right man for the job. No, you're right. That decision's been taken today, this morning. So we move on. You you use the term bittersweet. There's no better way to describe this, Tony, because this isn't a a faceless non-entity of Celtic Football Club. This is Neil Lennon, a a man who we've grown over two decades to have an affection for both as a player and as a manager. And for anyone like yourself who was lucky enough to spend time with him as a person, as a human being. So if we come to Declan, uh, we've spoken time and time again on Axom Declan about, you know, the club rebuilding. And did it come to a surprise to you last night, the timing of it? And how disappointing um, were you, or was it, that you know this was leaked to the press before the official announcement this morning? And not just that, it was leaked to an element of the press that, in terms of Celtic Football Club, it's the worst possible PR move you could make. Yeah, I was surprised by the timing of it last night, Paul. Um, I think it got past a stage for many of us as supporters where we were wondering when is this going to happen I think majority of folk had came to the, the same opinion that Neil shouldn't have been in charge of the football club any longer than we had to move on but for it to break in the sun 
was again a real kind of two fingers I think at the Celtic fans again because we've been crying out all season for communication talked to us we were able to keep the dominant Mackay and Peter Lowell story quiet and it got released through the proper channels via the club going through the London Stock Exchange the next morning why could that not have been done this morning why did it need to get that we hadn't just out last night in the Sun newspaper who stopped printing last night I've heard to put that in the back of their cover as well so it went in there and again, why? I would love to know why. Why can't it just be communicated to in the proper channels via the club channels? But um, what, what Tony said there, I, I would echo. Um, you know, as a 21-year-old, Neil Lennon's always been a part in and around of the club as I've grown up. He's gave me a lot of happy days as a Celtic fan, um, which has been matched, obviously, this season with some real poor poor days. But um, I, I've got a, a respect for Neil Lennon as what he's achieved at Celtic Football Club, and I won't rewrite history. And on a personal level, any times I've met him or, or spoke to him, he's always been, as Tony says, a, a very decent, genuine guy. So I would rewrite history and I'll thank him for his service at Celtic. But it's time to, to move on and put the, the, the pieces in place to, to start again and rebuild. We will talk about the rebuild because I obviously have some real concerns about the timing, Declan. We've left it too late and I think part of that issue in leaving it too late is we're in no other option at this moment in time than to basically push up or promote from within John Kennedy, Gavin Strachan plus AN other. I'm guessing and I don't know if this was part of any announcement that that will be Stephen McManus. Okay, So we've now got a situation where two elements of that coaching team who have failed this season, Neil Lennon is the, the figurehead of a coaching team and he obviously has the final say in team selection, etc. That goes without saying. But as we were talking about yesterday, other elements of your coaching team, Tony, if you go back to Jock Steen's time, his coaching side was pivotal to the success of Celtic Football Club, Sean Fallon, Neely Mockin. You come right forward to Billy McNeil, first time round, John Clark. Even the physiotherapist was a massive part of Celtic's success, Brian Scott. Everybody knew who he was. You then move into Brendan Rodgers' territory, and his backroom team were pivotal to the success of Celtic. It wasn't just one man. So when it comes to this season, and you said it's bittersweet, how bittersweet is it that two elements, two parts of the problem are still there? That's the bitter part. Kennedy and Strachan should have gone with Neil Lennon. We should have A and other voice because that's the same voices that are talking to the players. Mm -hmm. You want a fresh voice. If you're going to sack the manager or relieve the manager of his duties, then his backroom staff have to go as well. So uh, you need a you need a new voice. That's the thing that concerns me. But it doesn't over the concern me the fact that Kennedy's just a stopgap because there is no way that Kennedy and Strachan will take the reins in this uh, long term. Right? The, you have to think that they've just said, OK, we've made a call here. We'll just limp on to the end of the season and then they're doing their due diligence on the person that they want to, to bring in, right? Now, that person, any new manager coming into this club, in my opinion, has got to be a top-drawer candidate or as top-drawer as we can entice to the club, right? Because what we've spoken about all season, what do we need? We need someone that's going to instill a new culture in a club that's lost from top to bottom temporarily, right? We need somebody who's going to repair the obvious disconnect at boardroom, first team and supporter level, right? We need somebody who in terms of Celtic is going to be box office enough 
to sell season tickets, right? Mm. Okay, and we need enough, another, another. We need a manager with enough pedigree and standing who can attract decent players, right? But he can also get a tune out of the ones that are going to remain from the fallout from this season. Yes, somebody who can also improve what he has at his disposal and work with the talented youth that we can that we clearly have coming through the ranks, right? So, right, and we need somebody who's got enough ambition, not just domestically, but in Europe, right? And if you throw a bit of resource at that, you will find that, man. Now, you throw a bit of resource at that, like you did with Rodgers, you'll get a a Rafa type, a Ralph Rangnick, an Eddie Howe, or a Roberto Martinez and Sean Maloney, right? If you do it on the cheap, then it's a Steve Clark or a Jack Ross. Right, that's that's just the way it's going to break down, right? Mm-hmm. We've already said that Lenny would never be part of the rebuild. That's happened. So the rebuild starts now. Whoever is whoever's coming in is surely going to be assessing this this club and this team in the next eight games. Right? And I and I'm going to say a statement here and I implore the Celtic board who clearly listen to this programme, right? All the Celtic supporters crave is a an appointment. Not a disappointment. That's what I'd say to the Celtic board. All the Celtic supporters crave is an appointment, not a disappointment. And there you have it. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. What I would add to the scale, the managerial scale that you uh, described there, Tony, on the bottom end of that scale, I feel... John Kennedy is also being considered. So if you're thinking Jack Ross and Stevie Clark, and by the way, that's no disrespect to these managers. Jack Ross, I've spoken highly of, Steve Clark, the same. But I think John Kennedy will be in that mix. And then at the top end, some of the names you've mentioned there are mouthwatering. Now, we know through rumblings, and we were having uh, a podcast on Thursday, which will still go ahead as far as I know, in relation to... Declan to the Celtic fans becoming organised and creating a movement in relation to making their their voices known to the Celtic board and potentially that would involve the renewal or not of season tickets. Now that kind of information, although it's never been under wraps but it's not been shouted from the rooftops yet and we're going to cover it tomorrow on the podcast. We've got some special guests who are going to come in and explain exactly what they plan to do. You know all about, although it was before your time Declan, I know you're, um, you know you are actually someone who's interested in the history of the club. You're a student of Celtic history. You know all about the street movements of the 1990s. It would be completely different from that but with the same mindset, the same state mind. Do you think the club were taking any notice of things like the protests, things like the the um, fallout from the numerous disappointments we've had this season on social media and the like, because that has replaced you know, fanzines uh, that, that were out back in the day, where fans were able to um, display their anger and disgust at the way Celtic were being run and what was happening on the park. And of course, the alternative media aspect of that, Declan, like podcasts. Do you think, like Tony says, the board were aware that there was something in the mix and they knew that if the change didn't happen before season ticket renewal date, that in itself was going to be a disaster? I don't know, because last se- last week we were faced with a statement from Ian Bankyard who kind of went about it and said, right, okay, we've taken a wee bit of notice here. We can see that you're all commenting on Twitter um, saying stuff. Podcasts aren't happy. Fanzines that are still running aren't happy. So whether they did nip in there and just have a wee feel for what 
the, the feeling was amongst Celtic fans, I don't know. But but going on last week's statement, Paul, I'm still a bit left, you know, confused because we heard Neil Lennon and Cindy even talking about a rebuild. Mm. Last week we heard Dean Bankier saying the review was still ongoing. So I don't really get what's changed so quickly from from two perspectives. We've got the manager saying about rebuilds on Sunday evening in Dingwall. And as I say last week, where Dean Banker faces with a statement in which he said that the review was still ongoing. So I don't know if they actually have tapped in. I don't know if this has just come out of the blue or whether Ross County was the end for, for one of the parties. But I think if any sensible person had looked at any source of Celtic fan media, they would have seen a, a support that, that weren't happy and wanted change imminently. And I think as Tony says, you need to get it spot on in the summer with a new manager. If you don't, you do face the possibility of people still not renewing season tickets for the way they've been treated this season. As well, matched by a COVID situation that has forced people to lose their jobs and don't have the money to do so. If it again is going to be virtually, we don't know. So there's a lot of questions about the future. Um, the club need to get it right going forward from now on. And this is the hope for the start of that. The club need to get it right, Declan. You're spot on. Maravchik25 is coming in via the YouTube channel. Welcome to the show. Now, Maravchik agrees with what Tony was saying uh, yesterday. We probably have identified new management team, but they are already committed to the Euros. Obviously, Tony, you're being followed uh, on social media as well as appearing on Axom. Damien, for now, to commence clear out and recommence professionalism. Now, I, I take it he means Damien Duff, who obviously has been at the club, knows the club and left because of family, personal reasons. Now, this is an interesting point, though, because... I was looking, obviously, this morning at the dates. Let's have a look at the timeline. Now, the Euros start on the 11th of June 2021, and they they finish on the 11th of July, so one-month tournament. The first qualifying round that Celtic will play, should they finish second, and I'm, I'm still confident that that will happen. So the first qualifying round that we will play will be nine days after the Euros finish. So the point here, we probably have identified new management team. I'm going to ask yourself first and foremost, Tony, do you think that this Celtic board have identified the team, have had discussions with that team, and perhaps they are one of the two front runners? Because at the moment, John Kennedy is a favourite for the job, according to the bookies. Then Stevie Clark is the second favourite, followed by Roberto Martinez. Now, I will remember and remind everybody of the sniggers and the scoffing and the criticism that I took for actually suggesting Martinez back in October. But we are now in a situation where you need that stature, that pedigree to come in now, Tony. But the catch-22 of that is you know, they're going to have nine days to prepare the team for the first game of the season. Should it be a management team at the Euros? Yeah, that's all. That's your dilemma now, isn't it? But you'd like to think, as I said, that they are doing their due diligence. And if the next management team are working at the Euros, then so be it, right? It doesn't take long. But usually the first qualifying round is is a doable one, right? You know, it throws up a, a Lincoln Red Imps first leg kind of, result every now and again but they got through it you know so I think it's, they're capable enough of getting through it if if they do the new management team only have nine days and it is as you say a Steve Clark or a Roberto Martinez Sean Maloney kind of double act I think that's the calibre you're, you're aiming at I, I, 
I've spoken before about Clark. He knows how to set up a team. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And yeah, I think he won four out of eight when Kilmarnock played Rangers. You know, so I, I don't think that would phase him in any shape or form. I just think that Steve Clark's possibly a harder sell to the Celtic supporters than Roberto Martinez, Sean Maloney, who have been working with world-class footballers and could tell you some Belgian world-class footballers that they could possibly bring to the club. Mm-hmm. I think if you go to managerial candidates like that, you're opening up a wider range of possibilities. And Celtic really have to start thinking like that. Because d- domestic success is fine, but the supporters also crave to make an impression in Europe. And they look over the road at the impression that Gerrard's made in Europe. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what, what you think, they've done well. People say they've not played MD. They've played who they've been drawn against, you know, and they've reached the latter stages in the past couple of seasons, you know, having come through all the qualifiers. So you have to tip your hat and you have to also look and say, it can be done. Mm-hmm. The right management team and coaching team you know, in situ, these things can be achieved. So it's up to Celtic now to go out and recruit that management team that would guarantee success both at home and abroad yeah. the fans want they, they definitely want that I watched with interest Tony about um, a week ago or during the week the interview that Amy Canavan Axrom's very own Amy did with Jock Brown and Jock spoke about the current situation at Celtic and the fact that over the last decade we have been happy just to lord it up uh, domestically and we haven't made enough inroads into Europe to make the the kind of commitment to the club and to the fans that we were going to progress in European competition. Everything has been, for want of a better term, at the, let's say, the backside end of the transfer window to get players in 
for the qualifiers. Let's try and scrape through by the skin of our teeth so that we can then have access to all the European riches, but let's not be prepared to invest sufficiently to get us there. And that has been an issue. It's been a massive issue. And this is why I'm going to ask a question in relation to this rebuild that Declan, you quite rightly said, Neil Lennon seemed to be up for a rebuild. Um, and that's why when I wake up this morning and I see that Neil Lennon has resigned from his post. Now, I'm pretty sure officially Neil Lennon has resigned, but I don't think it would have been a decision made by him. Now, that's happened in the past at Celtic. If you look through the history books, as I know you do, it might tell you that Jock Steen resigned or moved upstairs or moved to the, the pools or whatever um, the Celtic history books tells you. But if you speak to anyone who was close with Jockstein, they'll tell you that he was also relieved of his duties. And there's a certain element right up to the point of Celtic priding themselves on we never sacked a manager for 100 years. Remember all that stuff. So that is all PR. That's what that is. And Neil Lennon has made that decision himself. So I don't think that would have been the case. Every single interview that Neil Lennon gave throughout this whole period, Declan, he did so in a bullish manner. He did so um, in the manner we would expect of a club captain and a club manager that he never, ever gave up. You know, he had that. He didn't know when to give up. And sometimes that can be a failing. So when you're looking at that whole scenario of Neil Lennon now going and this rebuild being absolutely necessary, I'm looking at the fact that Scott Brown will be 36 come the summer. Um, you've got four loanees who will be going back to the respective clubs, I would guess, because a new manager needs to assess whether or not he wants the, the buying option of an El Yanusi, etc. I'm pretty sure the other ones speak for themselves when it comes to would you invest seven, eight, nine million pounds in John Joe Kenny or Laxalt? I don't think a Celtic fan would say yes. No one would uh, make the, the Shane Duffy move permanent. The El Yanusi one, because we know him has been questioned for a £5 million move. So there's four loanees. There's Scott Brown, who's your captain, question mark after him. We're looking at possibly uh, permanent moves for Ayer and Cham, Eduard, Christie. Frimpong has already gone. And you've got two very expensive acquisitions in Barkas and Ayeti, who either will be moved on or will have to be uh, supplemented by you know another goalkeeper and another centre forward. Now, obviously the majority of the names, uh, not including the likes of Brown and, and the players who may be uh, leaving on permanent deals, the majority of the players we're talking about, Nicky Hammond has had a, a part to play in the recruitment uh, of these players. Now, we wanted change at CEO level, it's been announced. We wanted change at managerial level, that's been announced. Nicky Hammond, big question mark over his future at the club now as well, Declan. I think, again, part of the problem this season and probably has to go out the door along with the manager um, last summer everybody was quite pleased with recruitment but it's not worked out and ultimately the man that pays the price for that is Nicky Hammond so he should go out the door it should be a fresh start for everybody there's a plethora of players here Paul that are going to leave the football club a plethora of first team players that are going to leave the football club but I'm still of the opinion that there's a good core squad there that you can still get a decent tune out of and you you just need to look at the midfield and Turnbull, Soro, hopefully Callum McGregor as well. Again, there's questions whether he'll leave the club. That's a good midfield to build your team around. So there's no reason why we can't move forward. But again, as I said earlier on, it's not just about getting the management right. I think the club will take the direction of a director of football. Again, it's about getting that right. 
and making sure that your recruitment process, the guy at the top of that scale and the manager are all in harmony together, working forward for the good of Celtic Football Club to move forward and not stagnate and just wait. I think at times in the past, what will be coming up for 10 years, we've let domestic dominance take precedent over Europe and we've had the blinkers on and just went, well, so win the league, everything will be rosy in the garden, which, you know, as Celtic fans, we made our mark in 1967 winning the European Cup. We've had some great nights at Celtic Park. We want that to continue. And I, and I Statistic, I think it's since 2004, we haven't won a knockout tie since after Christmas. That is appalling for Celtic Football Club. You know, that is not the standards that we want. And as Tony says, you just need to look at the team on the other side of the city who are able to do it, whether that's in the Champions League or Europa League, they're still able to do it. But we ultimately feel at that stage every single season. So it's about getting past that, moving forward and setting new standards for ourselves that are achievable. Now, I've already mentioned that John Kennedy is the bookie's favourite to take over. Junko Lyon comes in um, via Twitter to say, worst scenario, Kennedy wins the last eight games, gets the gig, just like Lennon did first time around. I remember that period so, so well, whereby Lenny did make that galvanising impression that you would expect from him, which he did, by the way, second time round when he came in on an interim basis. And we went on a run, albeit we were knocked out of the cup by Ross County, and he was given the job permanently. Now, at that time, let's look at the situation that we were in. So Neil Lennon was paid a salary when he took the job first time round of £300,000. There were managers who applied for the job and who were in discussions with the Celtic board at that time in 2010, who wanted to come to Celtic, managers whose stock were high, but they were on premiership wages. Now, the premiership wages back then could have been 1.5, 2 million plus at that time. And I'm talking obviously the English premiership. So Celtic did go for the cheap option in terms of the salary of the manager. People would say, yeah, but it worked out. It worked out, but you've got to look at the full circumstances of that. We didn't win uh, anything uh, in terms of the league. We did not win the league. We won the the Scottish Cup against Motherwell. But we didn't win the league in Neil Lennon's first full season in charge. The following season, Rangers were no longer in the league. And so began the nine in a row. So that was a scenario back then. We are now in a situation here where... We have, and let's not deny it, we have a resurgent Rangers. We don't have a Rangers who are on the the edge of a cliff top, ready to be uh, jump off or pushed off. This is a completely different scenario. We have a Rangers who are on the rise, like you say, Tony, and you say that from the most balanced perspective possible. They are on the rise, absolutely no doubt about it. Their biggest uh, situation this summer, I believe, will also be to replace the management team because his stock has risen. I mean, you've seen how... And I can't compare him with Rogers, but Rogers leaves Celtic and goes to Leicester. Now, I don't think Steven Gerrard's going to go to the same level down in England, but because of his European performances, there will be clubs in the Premiership looking at him. But they, as a club, are in a completely different situation from the Rangers we were looking at in 2010. So I don't think we can afford to get away with a similar type of appointment. And if Kennedy comes in and wins his last... Uh, Celtic's last eight games, brilliant. But I'm now going to go on to Maravchik's point. And this point is that John Kennedy has been at Celtic Football Club for 30 years and improved us nil. Now, interestingly enough, Kennedy is only 37. We were talking about this last night, Tony. So if he, and correct me if I'm wrong, if he does 
get the, the I mean he's got the manager's job this morning I believe him to be the second youngest manager in Celtic's history um, someone might correct me and say that Willie Maley was younger I would need to check that myself but certainly David Hay was only 35 when he took the manager's job uh, in the 1980s but John Kennedy has been at the club for an incredible length of time and someone asked me the question yesterday David Doherty on Twitter uh, why is he so highly rated as a coach where does this narrative come from so I was having a look about and this was before any announcement last night uh, in, a, in around the Celtic manager's job and I've seen a quote from Damien Duff, who obviously worked with John Kennedy at Celtic for a period. And he regarded John Kennedy as one of the best coaches in the world. And that was a quote. So I answered David Doherty with that quote at 23 yesterday, not knowing that that quote would be retweeted later on in the night in relation to the fact that he is now the interim Celtic boss. But surely, Tony, even if he was to win the last eight games of the season appointing him full-time, like the bookie says, the favourite, would not be a forward step. No. And I think the caveat should be added, or the board should have added the caveat that Kennedy's in charge for eight games. It's an interim period. They, they should come out and say that because the Celtic fans will not put up with that. You might well be a world-class coach, but I think the majority of Celtic supporters would say he's kept it well hidden. You know, and if Kennedy was this world-class coach. We spoke about it on Sunday night. They would have handed him the reins long before now to step mm. in at some other juncture. But they they haven't. We said they didn't trust him. They'll trust him for eight games. You know, because I think, as you say, I don't think they'll, they'll let second place slip. Mm-hmm. You know, but Kennedy's part of the whole failure this season. He should have gone alongside Strachan. I, I said that earlier. So I just can't see how Kennedy... Is going to improve that team or have any meaningful contribution to a rebuild? You know, so I, I'm not particularly jumping up and down that he's got the, the reins for eight games. I want him to win and I want him to win all those eight games. Of course I do. You're a supporter, so you never want to see the team lose. Mm-hmm. But I don't particularly think that what he does will have any bearing on the new management team coming in. And the bookies can say what they like. You know, but I think Celtic are, or if they're not, they should be aiming a hell of a lot higher than John Kennedy. You know, because the supporters are, right? And people are saying, oh, you'll not get Martinez, you'll not get Eddie Howe. I keep saying it. Go and ask the question. Mm. Get them to come out and say, thanks, but no thanks, or yes, I would be interested. Because there's no point in saying, like we have in various points of history, oh, we could have had him. He was interested, but the question was never asked. Go and ask the question. People say, oh, Rafa's a pipe dream. Well, fine. Go and, go and let him say it's a pipe dream. You'll no get me. I don't mind that. At least it shows ambition. The supporters' ambition is up there. The recruitment for a new manager should also be up there. You set a high bar. I'm fed up saying it. Because if you set a high bar, it's the only way you're going to, like the team across the other end of the city, improve in Europe and go far in Europe and get past the, the group stages into the knockout phase. If you, you know what I mean? If you get a decent manager. You know, Brendan Rodgers overstretched, you know, and, and then there was interference and stuff. But any new guy coming in would like to think that Dominic Mackay would let him do the football side of things. And if you go and get a big hitter, you can achieve. 
And it's it's, it's surely not. I've said before, a big part of the rebuild is going to be throwing a lot of resources at a new manager. Mm-hmm. The rest will follow if you get the right man. He'll bring absolutely, in the, absolutely. He'll bring the right players. He'll know what to do with a youth system. He'll work with what you've got. He'll improve what you've got. Mm-hmm. So why set a low bar? No, you're spot on. Goes high. You've been you've been saying it for weeks, Tony. And Brian McLean comes in with a point. Welcome to the show, Brian. You're commenting on Twitter. Martinez question mark manager will be downsizing now with the lack of CL money and the fallen season ticket money. Now this is an excellent point, Brian, because we are in a situation where the the club have to take a calculated risk. They really do have to take a calculated risk here, Tony. If you go for John Kennedy on a permanent basis, will he enthuse the Celtic fans sufficiently to get anywhere near the 57,000 season tickets sold that have been sold this season? 100% no. No chance. Now, the flip side of that is you can't just go for status and profile because I think Celtic have been shot in the foot previously for going for status and profile. And I'm going to use the example again of when Martin O'Neill came in he was the result um, of Celtic having gone for that that status and profile with a dream team management uh, setup that was John Barnes and Kenny Dalglish, which was an absolute disaster. Now you look at the situation that Martin O'Neill faced when he came in, Tony, and it goes back to what you said in relation to making the players that are already there not only play at their their best but improve. So you're looking at players there who have not been at their best this season. We can't write off a whole raft of the squad because they're going to be there next season. You're then going to look at the recruitment aspect of it. And the, the recruitment has not been good enough. And this is why you can't have another lackey. You cannot have someone else who will be prepared to come in and take the players that someone else is identifying and recruiting and trying to get them a, a tune out of them. Because when you're looking at someone like Neil Lennon, um, he knew that this was going to be the case. Brennan Rogers didn't stand to, um, stand for it, Tony. You're absolutely right. And that was a massive part in the eventual departure of that man from the club. But Celtic can't continue like that. You can't have a Nicky Hammond or a Peter Lowell. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Having so much influence in the personnel that the manager is going to have at his disposal. Now, 
in order for that to be the case, that means you can't go to the lower end of the scale that you mentioned earlier. You can't go to a John Kennedy. You've got to go to the higher level. But then that's a calculated risk because eventually one of these names uh, that, that comes in, if it is indeed one of these names, will want to push the envelope and the club have to be prepared for that. So when you're looking to this, this rebuild, Declan, it's the biggest rebuild certainly in your lifetime. I've named some of the players that, that won't be around, some of the players that will have to be replaced. We're starting the the season, um, as we look at it right now, with one recognised left-back in Greg Taylor, one recognised right-back in Anthony Ralston. Yes, we can play higher at right-back. We have a long-term injury at centre-half in Chris Julien, which means we've only really got... Two recognised, natural, and I say natural in the, in the case of Ayer, centre-halves in Chris Ayer and Stephen Welsh. So you're looking at that situation. You then look at the goalie behind them. Who's your number one? How many of the three will be here next season? The rebuild is huge. And I think the manager that comes in, their pedigree has to be huge as well. I think it does, and obviously we've we've added Liam Shaw very early on, so I wonder who signed him, whether that was Neil Lennon as a partner shot, whether it was Peter Lowell, whether it was Nicky Hammond. Um, The key thing I think we need to remember here is there is big assets in there that will bring in money, and that is something that we need to see as a positive because there's players that will leave the club that we will get a decent price for. Um, Again, the market at this point in time isn't great, probably we won't get inflated prices that we would have but if guys as we've said your Edwards and Chams Christie's I hope I doesn't go all go out the door there will be a money there to spend but you need to get the management right to trust them with that money because we've spent last season we heard Peter Lobel say it countless times you know £5 million and a striker £5 million and a goalkeeper two guys that don't even get in the first team at times a guy that you know, but we get told we're going to get runs out of these guys and it's not worked out. So whether we can still get tunes out of those guys and then it's it's not just even about the money, it's about the recruitment. And that's about getting a guy in that knows the market well, can attract big names and get them at the right price. We don't want to be overspending. We want to do it right. But internally, we've got guys like Scott Robertson and Ewan Henderson that might just be given a chance under a new setup as well because... At this point in time, that there's no problem of looking within and giving guys a chance, especially in these last eight games. But moving forward, director of football, manager, recruitment, all have to be spot on because you say, Paul, it's the biggest rebuild in my lifetime and a long, long time for Celtic and it needs to be bang on the money because if it's not, fans aren't going to accept it. No, they're not. Now, Mark, welcome back to the show. You're a regular contributor and you're joining us on YouTube. We can attract an elite manager, but the board have to act differently to the last days of Brennan Rodgers. How pivotal is that last comment there, Tony, when you consider that the CEO, who quite clearly clashed with Brennan Rodgers time and time again, is not going to be there? So if we were to bring in that level of manager, we will be looking at a completely different dynamic. We've spoken about it before, right? History tells you when you bring in a, a big hitter and you give them full reign, full power, we're successful. Jock Steen had it, Martin O'Neill had it, Brendan Rogers had it till it became obvious that he didn't have it and he never and he, he didn't stand for it and he walked. Right? But it's no coincidence 
you you bring in you bring in a big manager, he'll do the job. Leave him to do the job. You know, you know, in as Declan said as well, you you need you need harmony. We've spoken about this too. You need everybody singing from the same hymn sheet. Right? Your director of football, if that's the case, your head coach, to and identifying the same kind of players, the same kind of philosophy, the same culture to bring into the club. Because the rebuild, yeah, yeah, it's massive. But as as we've alluded to, there's a lot to work with there. Turnbull, Sorrow, McGregor. You know, you look at Brendan Rogers. Brendan Rogers improved James Forrest unbelievably so. Right? That's what management is. You work with what you've got and you bring in what you think you need. Right? So, you know, there, there are a lot of building blocks there for any new manager coming in for a start to work with. Yeah, might have to ship players out and get as much as you can for them. But as long as they're identifying like for like, the problem with Celtic in the past is when they've sold assets, they've not brought in, they've not brought in players anywhere near the ones that they've sold. Mm-hmm. Tierney's never been replaced. Bet your bottom dollar, if Ayer goes, he'll not be replaced. French Eddie will not be replaced with a similar. You know, we got lucky when with Dumbelli and French Eddie coming kind of, no, Dembele was on his way out as French Eddie was coming in. But that was Rogers who identified both. You know? So you need a manager like that that needs his that has his finger on the pulse and can tell you, can bring in Dembele for five hundred grand, sell him for nineteen million quid, if that's the way we're still going to work. But you have to identify those players first. And it takes a big hitter to identify that or know exactly what's going on around world football. You know, so uh, uh, why is it beyond Celtic's reach when you say certain managers, he'll no come or he, or that, forget that? I, I keep going back to it and people accuse me of getting annoyed. I, I'm passionate about it. Mm-hmm. To us, the Celtic manager's job is the best football job in the world. Right? I've said before, right, it's not to anyone else, but to the supporters it is. And it's a highly attractive proposition playing in front of 60,000 people when you get it right. You know, and the wonderful nights you can have in European football when you get it right. I mean, the first two years of Brendan Rodgers, first year and a half, two years of Brendan Rodgers' tenure was blissful. I don't think anybody has seen anything like that. You know, Martin O'Neill's tenure, some of his year, Seville and all that. Fantastic, because they were getting it right. Mm-hmm. So, how can Celtic not get it out again? We need a we need another epiphany moment from Dermot Desmond and the board to appoint this person. You know, whoever it is coming in, we can't afford to think small. We are up against the resurgent Rangers. If you said you want to go toe to toe with them, mm-hmm. it hasn't this season at all. Not everybody's surprised, but it's now time to go toe to toe and think big, think big, dream big. Speculate, as you said, to accumulate, but don't overreach yourself. But there's still funds there for a club like Celtic to be acting as a big club, not, as I get back to it, masquerading as one. No, you're right. I'm bringing up Joe McElinden, um, who says via YouTube Rebuild with Sean Maloney, you spoke about singing from the same hymn sheet. Joe McElinden has certainly sang quite a few tunes over the years. So welcome to the show, Joe. Rebuild with Sean Maloney. There's a lot of 
positivity around Sean Maloney, but let's have a look at some of the comments coming in. Uh, where you get um, Jim Hannaway coming in on YouTube, I think Maloney will get offered the job with John Kennedy on his backroom staff. He will take it on those terms. Now, I think this all ties in um, with the fact that a director of football is in the mix and Ross Miller comes in to say no appointments should be made until the director of football comes in now I find it interesting because let's look at how that's going to change the structure so it's not a Nicky Hammond it's not a head of recruitment it's a director of football operations some would say that Peter Lowell was a pseudo director of football at times at Celtic so that situation is going to change because we're bringing in a brand new CEO and when the departing CEO was appointed 17 plus years ago he was said to be dealing with all non-football matters but over the period of 17 plus years I think that he interfered in various football matters that created issues so let's look at the structure you're going to have Dominic Mackay as the CEO potentially a director of football we've all seen the names that have been touted now if that's the case Declan and I'll come to you on the Sean Maloney chat because we've already mentioned Martinez Maloney how does that change the dynamic because then you need less of a manager in place and more of a coach the director of football is not the manager, of course he's not, but he takes a lot of the managerial responsibility to allow the head coach to deal with the football side of it. Who was Celtic's first ever head coach? It was Vim Janssen. Vim Janssen was Celtic's first head coach. Prior to that, it was always a manager. So we're going to change the whole structure here. And if we bring in a director of football, does that then open the door to a completely different approach in terms of who takes over the football side of it, Declan? I think it depends on your, your character of director of football um, the, the names kind of branded about have been quite high profile coaches in the game um, that have been branded about so if you did go for that kind of option of a younger guy coming in as a head coach you'd need to go for I, I would say kind of an older figurehead to come in there to, to oversee the operation but I think we would all prefer um, a kind of a guy as a director of football has got a decent enough authority in the game, good enough knowledge of the game that can come in there, can work the market well, can be that other person for your, your head coach, manager to talk to. But for me, I, I think we need to get the manager right and not go for a younger option as a head coach. Sean, you know, he's not proved it yet as a, a manager himself, a very good assistant coach to Roberto Martinez, but not as a standalone himself. Obviously, if somebody was working above from that may change. But I think it might be too big a risk to go for something like that. So I would stick for one of the, the bigger names, the kind of elite managers that we've been speaking about that that would probably be more of a fit for the club for me. One thing, uh, Tony, you spoke about earlier in relation to the type of man that comes in who will be able to identify some of the, the better talents that we have enjoyed over the years and the, the names you mentioned there, you know, Dembele and Eduard and how great it would have been to see them form a partnership over a period of time for a full season. I mean, that would have been a dream. There is also going to be a shrinking transfer market uh, post-Brexit as well and we're going to have to bring that into consideration, you know, would we have been able to get the relevant uh, permits uh, and the work documentation for the likes of an Eduard coming from PSG um, you know, post-Brexit probably not and then we have uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce your name so I, I apologise keep it real guys, if any manager has a good Euros, they won't come near Scotland. Now 
I get what you're saying. Absolutely do get what you're saying. And we're talking about Martinez here, who is in charge of the number one nation in the world. But some managers have definitely got an ambition to return to club football. I mean, you, you, you know, you've heard a lot of the, the managers who um, manage at that level, international level. I'm not going to say it's a part-time job, but club football is definitely a 24-7, day-to-day operation. And some managers want to return to that. The question would then follow, I'm sure, why Celtic? Why not go to the Premiership? Well, you know, again, they're maybe looking at the progression of, let's say, Brennan Rodgers from Celtic back to the English Premiership. They may also, and Kevin Graham brought this up um, at the beginning of this week, see the Celtic job as the kind of challenge that they want. They know the potential that we have. They know that if they get it right, like Tony says, and if we get the harmony right, Tony, the harmony between the the Holy holy Trinity, the, the harmony between the management, the board and the fans, then Celtic can be unstoppable. Well, see, it's Martinez, right? Right, Martinez has already managed in England, so he's ticked that box, right? So you, you're offering him something new. You're offering him a fresh challenge. He's played in Scotland as well. Don't forget, so he kind of knows the, the you know the setup, and he's also got Sean Maloney as his right hand man for the Celtic thing. Now Sean Maloney would be probably chipping in his ear. Get yourself up here. This is a challenge and a half. I've said before. Celtic's a dream for any manager. It's a manager's club. You can achieve so much and you will be lauded for it. And the challenge for any manager coming in now is to make Celtic a noise in Europe again. Now, as you say, international management is part-time management. Yet, they're working with some fantastic world-class footballers, but they miss that day-to-day grind. And there's no better places to go on a day-to-day basis than Celtic Park. You know, I, I, I'll be convinced. Some will need to convince me otherwise. But when it's harmonious and when it's done properly, there are fewer better places in world football to go about your daily business. I'm convinced of that. Now, I think it's a challenge that somebody like Martinez with Maloney by his side would relish. No people say, oh, why would he leave Belgium? Why not? The challenge is to make Celtic better again where it matters, where they're where their name and their history was made on the European stage, and see any manager worth their salt and who's confident in their own ability, mm-hmm. they would fancy that. I think they would fancy that. And that's why Celtic have to dream big and be big and act big. Because if you're going to sell the supporters short, like you did this season with the 10, then they will walk away. You know, they, 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 they really are just Celtic supporters who face a real dilemma this summer. Do they renew? To renew or not to renew? That is the question. Right? Now, it's up to the board to turn around and give them something, hope, ambition for the future mm-hmm. and say, this is our new management team. This is where we want to be. You know? And somebody somebody put in a comment saying that Celtic don't need to match Rangers. It's the other way around. Yeah, well, I was, I was making the point that there is now a challenge from Rangers. So you have to match that and be better than Rangers in order to win the title and in order to to advance your own ambitions on the European stage. So there's a gauntlet being thrown down, so you have to rise to that. Mm-hmm. So you you cannot lowball it. I'm fed up saying it, and you know my thoughts on it. You have to go as high as you possibly can. And at the mo- this moment in time, 
to me, going as high as you possibly can is Roberto Martinez and Sean Maloney, Ralph Ranick, Eddie Howe, probably the Rafa boats maybe sailed. But again, if the we should be asking these people the question. I get back to it. The, the big thing, I mean, just as we've seen this morning, you come in and there's a massive announcement. You see it's on a ticker tape all day long on a loop. We will be seeing far more announcements like that down south. And what uh, that brings to my mind is that some of the managers you've mentioned will be in the frame for other jobs. So Celtic must have, I would hope, I would hope, and this season might put doubt in a lot of people's minds, must have already made an approach. They must have done, because if, for example, the Newcastle job or the Crystal Palace job becomes available, there will be a whole raft of managers, including some of the names you've mentioned, Tony, who many Celtic fans would love to see at Celtic Park, who will get a job. And they'll get a job down south. I've seen a lot of comments coming in saying, what's happened to the Eddie Howe chat? Well, he's also someone else who I think a lot of Celtic fans have spoken about over the various months, talking about, yeah, he would be the right man for the job. Then the Bournemouth gaffer gets sacked and he's obviously Eddie Howe's number two. He's his go-to number two. Is that team, have they already been approached? You know, I'd heard rumblings way back in October that the, the managers that had been sounded out and I've said this numerous times on Axom, were Alex Neal at Preston and Roberto Martinez with Sean Maloney. That was back then. So when Kevin Graham put me on the spot on Axom um, at full time after the 3-3 at Pataudry, and he asked me, who would you put in charge? Very much like what you said, Tony, I aimed for the very top of the tree. Uh, you know, who on earth would it be? And what happens is that that's met with ridicule by yeah. the way, from Celtic fans and other teams fans. But if we want to progress, then we need to think completely differently. There's a couple of things I want to get through uh, before before we wrap up this morning. First and foremost, there's a couple of comments and they've disappeared from the screen, such as the busyness of the comment section. So thanks everybody for getting involved. Where it was basically saying that, uh, you know, we were being hypocritical because we've come on and said Neil Lennon was a legend, etc. I don't think it's being hypocritical. Uh, it's a failure to be revisionist. That's what it is. And, and Declan said that. You can't you, you know, you can't go into the, the history books, right, and whitewash what Neil Lennon has done for the club. And this is just on a football side of things, right? What he's done as a player and what he's done as a manager. So you can't just ignore that. You can't airbrush it out of the history books. And I think that's the point Declan was making. But that doesn't make us hypocritical for saying all season, for the, the vast majority of the season, that Lenny should be removed from office. Absolutely not. What he's done previously is unquestionable. It's there for all to see. I think what Neil Lennon started to do, even in his final interview, his final press conference as a Celtic manager, uh, not a conference actually, it was a post-match interview, he spoke about the nine in a row. He spoke about the quadruple treble. He continually went on about the achievements that he was obviously part of, you know, the quadruple treble only being wrapped up two months ago. That's all fair and well, but that's not where we are in the here and now. And it's fine to talk about your achievements, but that isn't going to see us through this season or or next season. Now, I'm going to ask you the question, first of all, Declan, in relation to the way that Neil Lennon has been treated. And I'm not going to talk about the way he's been treated by the fans. I'm going to talk about the way the club have treated him this season. So in December, he's basically told, as is the football world, that your job is under review. You're having a managerial review and we don't really hear much. We expect a response in January. 
the response we finally get is the chairman's message that you spoke about at the top of the show deck, where Ian Bank here confirms eventually that it's an ongoing review. So Neil Lennon's been in a situation throughout the months from December to date where he's got the sack hanging over his head. Now, the Celtic job is a high-pressure position at the best of times, even when it's going well. So you add all the pressures that he's already faced this season, and they've been numerous. Some, many, have been self-inflicted. But you add that on top of it, and then you expect Neil Lennon to present and deliver a club message at least twice a week in a press conference, and then after every single game, many of which have been poor. Have the club done enough? Have they hung them out to dry, Declan? I think they've hung them out to dry. Um, I think if you go back to to February 19, two years ago, even in that summer, to appoint any manager without his own backroom team was always going to be a recipe for disaster in the end up. Um, I know Neil Lennon came out and said that John Kennedy and Gavin Stanton had been magnificent and whatever, but I don't believe that. Uh, you see that John Kennedy's still at the football club today, showing to me that there was no real proper relationship there between the two of them, because if there was, he'd be out the door with them. And again, earlier in the show, probably we were talking about communication. Um, right or wrongly, Neil Lennon's been the only person really communicating with us um, in his post-match press conferences and pre-match press conferences. Whether what he's been saying or not has been true, and you've watched it and thought that's great, because I haven't, but He's been the only person that's been sent out every single week constantly to talk. So I think from a club perspective, they need to take a bit of ownership and a bit of accountability and start to lead properly now because they have hung out to die, in my opinion. And months and months ago, when everybody saw that this was going to end badly, that should have been the position when Peter Lowell and Dermot Desmond stepped in and took it out of Neil Lennon's hands. So the blame is not 100% at Neil Lennon's door. Um, there is also a blame here that needs to go to Peter Lowell and Dermot Desmond for a responsibility and an accountability that they never took action on. Let's have a look at this historical season, blow by blow. August, we had the ball and golly. We had the ball and golly affair uh, in August, and it probably was an affair in more ways than one. We were hit hard by that, only just playing the second game that was postponed the other week there against Aberdeen, were knocked out of the Champions League in a one-off game against the Hungarian Ferenc Varos. We played one up front and it wasn't a striker, it was Ryan Christie. It was a one-off match at home. We probably couldn't have asked for an easier draw and I'm not saying it was easy because they beat us. We started with no striker and Neil Lennon followed that game up by calling out players who didn't want to beat the club. He then followed that game up by picking the exact same lineup that in the following week's game in the league. From September through to February, five months there were no wins against the top six sides. Moving into October, Rangers beat us 2-0 and we fail to hit a shot on target in that game which was despicable. Aberdeen 3, Celtic 3 was my tipping point at half time. I said Neil Lennon has 45 minutes to save his job. That was in October. Um, We couldn't see the match out even though we went 3-2 up. We move into November. Two defeats against Sparta Prague, both 4-1. The game at home, let's not forget, was against a second string Sparta Prague who had been decimated by COVID and he should never have survived the first game never mind the second game but follow that up 
by being knocked out of the cup. Our domestic cup record ended at home against Ross County uh, 2-0, which sparked angry protests after the game. Moving into December, Neil Lennon still in position. Celtic won, St Johnson won. We're whimpering from one draw to the next. And by the way, in that game, you remember, we scored a very late, quite fortuitous equaliser. We then go into the Scottish Cup final that's been played from last season, we draw with a championship side 3-3 and win on penalties and we're con- constantly told but we've won a quadruple treble. Only two games of that quadruple treble were won this season. We contributed two games this season to that particular record. Moving to January, Rangers beat us again, albeit Celtic performed on the day, but we jumped on a plane straight after the game and flew to Dubai. The, the less said about that, the better, but we had to play two games basically with the crux of uh, youth players and by the way, well done, we got a couple of draws but it was against Hibs and Livingston and we followed up the Livingston game with another draw um, at Almondvale. We dropped 12 points in January which included a defeat at home again against St Mirren who won at Celtic Park for the first time in 31 years and the final blow was against Ross County the other night. Now that is an embarrassment from month to month. There are so many points that you could point to and say, that was the moment, that was the moment. Tony Haggerty, I'm going to ask you, what was the moment for you this season where you realised it was the end for Neil Lennon? I, I personally, it was Ferran Suarez for me. I was just sick of losing to teams like Ferran Suarez, Cluj, United Athens in the Champions League and throwing it away and, and, and blowing the chance to accelerate further away from your rivals by gaining the, the riches, the embarrassment of riches that you get by getting into that competition and the prestige and the honour of actually being there. I just, as far as I, I just shook my head and I said, look, this ain't going to work. And you've catalogued that there, right? Everything you've catalogued and people are coming on or bringing on this channel and saying, these are too negative. <laughs> We're too negative. Give me one positive that you mentioned there. None. Not one, right? Went through the whole season, more or less. You know, a, a season of unmitigated disaster, right? From start to finish. We started more or less off the field with a ball and golly incident. Somebody tell me something that we could have been positive about this season. I'll gladly accept it and hear it and talk about it. The Adidas kits. Yeah, and I and I tell you what... I tell you what, we spoke off there one of the days. Who sanctioned not for second best? That's no. You may as well pin that up in the eyes of dressing room and say, this is what they think of us, because it gave them fuel all season. I bet it did. Celtic lauded their sponsorship deal, not for second best. You're kidding me on. Don't be saying anything. Just accept the deal that you've got with a worldwide, you know, manufacturer, you know, famous world in... You know, and you come out with a slogan like that. Some the, the back. Somebody should have said, "No, no, no, no. Scrap that. Bin that. Because you wait to the end of the season, you'll be all sorts of Adidas memes and stuff like that. And, and you know, just things like that that tell you that they were content with domestic dominance. You know, small mindedness. You know, they signed a contract with them. Um, a multi-million pound, you know, manufacturer at a, a 
household name, worldwide brand, and all they could think about was a domestic slogan. Uh, we dig at your, your rivals over the other side of the city. So I'm talking about think big. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the big thing that was you signed a, a deal with, with Adidas wasn't about Rangers. There's no, wasn't the opportunity to have a, a cheap shot. You know, be, be glad in the fact that you signed that deal. And mm-hmm. from then on, it's just went downhill at an alarming rate of knots with the bogey with no breaks. As they say, if you're a Celtic Dan, you made one of those wooden things, you know. Uh, the bogey, the bogey, absolutely. No breaks, right? And honest to goodness, just silly things like that that's came back to bite Celtic this season and the fact that they've underperformed at the top, first team in the management levels, you know, and the fans were just, they're, they're apoplectic. In fact, that we said in Sunday, they're actually beyond rage now and anger. Mm. They're resigned. Now, Sunday's result wasn't a surprise, was it? No, it was not. Now, I'll come back to you with one final question, Tony, but before I do so, Declan, at what point in the season did you think no? Regardless of what you've achieved in the past, it's time to go, Neil Lennon. I think the hindsight, Paul, it would have been Ferris Varos, but I personally it was probably Ross County because I took it from the perspective of the way the club's have goals and achievements and what they set out at the beginning of a season. That goal at the beginning of the season, um, I think about what Tony spoke earlier about standards, you know, for European football, we let that slip under Ronnie Dyla. So it became acceptable to be embarrassed in Europe. It became acceptable to be beaten by teams like Molda and Sparta Prague at club level. Not acceptable for us as supporters, but at a club level. So I thought that they would let the European games go. But I think... The Ross County game when you end that run of cup wins in the manner we did to be beaten at a team that, you know, hadn't did anything and hadn't won games for so long was probably the point for me where I went enough. This has to change now. But I think Fenich Varos in hindsight was the point where it probably should have changed because after the Clues game, if you remember, there was a lot of animosity around the club until we went to Ibrooks and everybody then got back on board. Whereas that never happened after Ferenc Varos. It just went downhill from there onwards. So I think there's been lots of moments for different reasons for people this season. But every moment, everybody's getting entitled to, to a moment because it's not been good enough as supporters and um, the standards need to be raised a lot higher next season. They certainly do. One final question from both of the excellent contributors this morning, Anthony Haggerty. Who would you put in charge of Celtic for next season? I said a while ago I would like to see Eddie Howe there, but uh, I see he's been linked with the Crystal Palace job and stuff, and if he gets a job in England, then we've maybe missed the boat on that one and missed a a glorious opportunity. Fearing that, I I would love them to be thinking about Roberto Martinez and Sean Maloney, Uh, and if they really push the boat out, then Rafa. (laughs) But I think... uh, I think maybe that is, as I say, I alluded to earlier, a pipe dream, but uh, I, uh, yeah. So I'll give you three there, but. <laughs> any, any of the above. Declan, oh my, yeah. Declan McConville, who would be uh, your choice to replace Neil Lennon? I'm going to go with Eddie Howe as well. I think he's a, a young coach that has fresh ideas that they would thrive under the setup at Celtic if you get the director of football right. Um, he knows the market well and I think there is uh, something on the table for him to come win 
trophies be successful and if he does want to go back into English football there is a direct route map there to do so like Brendan Rodgers did so uh, Eddie Howe for me Paul Now thanks very much the pair of you for joining me so early uh, this morning. Obviously, we woke up to the news that Neil Lennon has resigned from his position as Celtic manager. We now look to rebuild the club and the rebuild starts now as far as we're concerned. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved on YouTube, Twitter and on Facebook. All that's left for me to say is, yes, we will be back at 12.30. But in the meantime, thank you to Tony Haggerty and Declan McConfell for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.